Hey there, I'm Jess Jordana, copywriter and brand messaging strategist for online business owners and your host of the Feel Wealthy Show, the podcast that has basically nothing to do with any of that, but also everything to do with it at the same time. See, all of us listening are pursuing some version of more. Maybe it's why you started your business, or maybe it's why you find yourself constantly dreaming, what if? But in this pursuit of more, I've found that we're absolutely starving for examples of those of us who are soaking in, celebrating, or even just noticing the more that we hold right now. I believe you can have it all, and I believe I can too, but real talk, It rarely comes all at once, and quite frankly, magic is easy to miss in the making of it. So on the Feel Wealthy Show, I'm bringing you alongside myself and other successful people as we explore a tangible, concrete meaning of wealth that not only changes our lives, but also changes our days as we practice feeling it now instead of holding out hope for later. All right, Joe and Lyndon, I'm so excited to have you both here on the Feel Wealthy Show today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Yeah. So I know you guys fairly well, but I'm not sure if the rest of our audience does. So I would love for you guys to just introduce yourselves individually, because I know your stories kind of merge together business-wise at a certain point. So if you want to go one at a time and tell us who you are, what you do, how you got here, you know, your whole life story, that would be great. (laughs) Gosh, you should not give me that permission just because I will go on a tangent. (laughs) It's like my weakness. I'll go first. I'm Joe, Joelle, Joe for short. I'm like the creative mind of our business and founder. So my story really starts when I was 19. My family and I found ourselves unexpectedly living out of hotels for about a month or two. And it was not like Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. It was not bougie. It was very much like thanks to the generosity of others hotel points that we were even able to kind of a thing and like was super duper grateful that we had a safe you know bed in place to be able to stay during that season but at the same time you've got four adults and all your stuff in one room and just like the unknown of everything like it was so challenging like which is an understatement and i was in college and (laughs) like definitely still figuring out what i was gonna do but i've always been very entrepreneurial so i don't think i ever really like thought i would end up in corporate unless it was like at a super nice magazine firm where i was like able to really like tap into my creativity kind of a thing like that was really the only yeah the andy anderson dream right (laughs) yeah pretty much so but that season was super transformational for me like in ways that you want to expect because i remember after we were able to find a house like within a couple of months thankfully like it wasn't that long but in the in the moment it feels like it stretches for eternity but i went to work at summer camp which is actually ironically where Lyndon and i met and that kind of became a really safe space for me to be able to process and to just like feel like i could be myself and an interesting thing happened where i, I started to pick up on like when people would start complaining about 
just like different stuff with their house like <laughs> like if it was too cold or if there was like construction that was taking too long and i just found myself getting so agitated anytime like those comments would happen because like in my mind i was like but you have a home like you have a roof over your head it's your own space like whether it's perfect or not like it's yours and um it just kind of became this very pivotal moment in my life where i realized that i would never take for granted again like having a roof over my head and now we live in a fixer upper and it's been challenging in its own way because it's kind of got me coming back to that a lot more than i would expect to mm -hmm. and reminding myself like we have a roof over our head even though it's not perfect it feels like a construction zone like it's ours. And like, that is something that I think so many of us take for granted. So that's a big part of my story that kind of like led to the business that became because that was a season where everything kind of got birthed from it. I realized I wanted to create a business that was going to provide more freedom and flexibility in the long run so that we would, I would be able to show up when there were certain situations that maybe in a corporate setting, you're not really able to have that kind of flexibility, but I would still be able to, you know, have clients that I could work with online and stuff like that. And so it's ebbed and flowed a lot over the years. We've gone through lots of different pivots, but like where we are today is more on online coaching and like online offers that allow us to be able to travel more often and work with dream clients work on our fixer upper and it's not like every day is perfect like we we definitely have a long ways to go in some regards but just having that gratitude reset is like more powerful than i think a lot of people like would give credit to mm -hmm. yeah i love that so much all right lyndon take it away <laughs> so i'm lyndon i have only really been working with joe for a couple years at this point like we got married more than a couple years ago i don't ask me how long it is because i will get it wrong <laughs> um, but i i took a very different track to get to where i am today and it's interesting when i was thinking about this i was trying to actually think about how my story ties into wealth and that's something that I've had a very interesting relationship with because I have a very non-traditional upbringing. So for me, my story really starts like, even though I'm an American, I lived in Central Africa for a few years as a missionary as a kid. And like that mentality, but also just like the thinking that I was brought up with, like we talked about money all the time. It was something that was common. Like money was normal to talk about. Like I started getting allowance at a young age so I could start building up that knowledge of how to be physically responsible. But there was the flip side of that of, I grew up in a very like service-based family. So managing money was about making ends meet, not about being wealthy or being like prominent in society. And there was this kind of, I don't think it was intentional, but there was this kind of like looking down on people that pursued like the wealthy track because they were in it for themselves and not in it for others. And so from a young age, for me, it was being wealthy is bad, but at the same time, being knowledgeable is good. And so for me, the, the wealthy quote unquote thing for me was like the pursuit of knowledge because that was okay. And 
that kind of steered me for a really long time of I was wealthy through knowledge. I pursued higher education. I have two master's degrees for why I'm not sure, but I have an MBA and an MSBA <laughs> and that helped me as I was starting to split from like my upbringing. I wanted to pursue like the normal thing a kid does is they don't want to do what their parents did. And so I, I followed like the corporate track. Like I got a job in big pharma. I had a six figure salary. I was successful by the normal metrics that the American dream tells us is right. And that actually didn't really feel wealthy to me, if I'm being totally honest, because I was doing things and I was meeting someone else's criteria, but it wasn't necessarily fulfilling for me, even if it was a stable paycheck. And that's really where our two stories kind of start to align is through Joe running her business, a lot of the things that I saw her really, really enjoying and being like the wealthy things for her were non-monetary, but it was more like impact-based of the things I was yearning for was how can I really help people and like use that knowledge that I valued for a long time to create these like really valuable, wealthy relationships with people that I just was not getting in corporate. And that kind of brings us to today-ish. Yeah, so now we work together full-time. So uh, we didn't like actually say that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Paint the picture more. Yeah. Yeah. I Okay, I have so many thoughts. I was trying to jot them down. I feel like the interesting thing that I feel like brings your two stories together is that both of you realize that wealth for you, Joe, it seemed like wealth was found in ownership, like in this is mine. Like this is something that I can infuse myself into. This is something that is uniquely yeah. mine. And that came from not having something that was yours for a period of time that felt really intense. And then for Lyndon, it's like, the the wealth was found in the fulfillment and so I think that there's this like into the word wealth obviously I'm like an English nerd and same I have a master's degree in curriculum design and I got it so I could have a $30 raise as a teacher I'm not really sure why I did that but totally worth it, it $30 a month by the way but I think there's this interesting like the word wealth is interesting in language because it's often used as a wealth of something. So it doesn't have to be money. It can be a wealth of knowledge. It can be a wealth of ownership. It can be a wealth of essential oils. It can be a wealth of like really anything that makes you feel like you have extra, like you have abundance. And I think that that is where, I mean, like the, it's not making ends meet and like, it's not just going to a job because that's what you're supposed to do or kind of creating an abundance of something for somebody else. Like all of those things, I feel like we're running through your stories. And I think that that's really, really interesting because there is this, like, I feel like most of the wealth conversation is around millionaire, like is around like wealthy on paper, just kind of like, especially the like bro wealthy people it's very popular to talk about that but among the people who are impact driven who are passionate like passion-led entrepreneurs all of that kind of stuff it is a little bit more taboo and I have found that more and more in launching the feel wealthy show I've gotten messages from so many people who are like 
well, wealth is not really in my conversation. Like I just want to do what I love. And I'm like, well, that is a piece of wealth, right? Do you guys agree? Yeah, hundred percent. I don't think I would have put words on like the ownership piece. Like, I feel like I was just like in a therapy session, <laughs> like that yeah. sums it up so well. It's like that feeling you get, like when someone just like relays it back to you and it feels like it unlocks this mm -hmm. discovery, like that's exactly it. I think for me, I have a very interesting relationship with that statement because I went through like the traditional business school. Like I did two years of graduate business school yeah. where you're taught to think about metrics from like yes. the fiscally responsible balance statement type knowledge of how you run like a PL statement for a company, like profit and loss. Like that's how so many like business decisions in corporate are structured. And there's just this leakage over into like your personal life. You can run that as a PL as well, because why wouldn't you? That's what yeah. the successful people do. And it's been interesting for me. Like I, I left corporate a little over two and a half years ago at this point. And how my thinking on that has evolved is a lot closer to, to take like a, a business term, like triple bottom line of like, you have business world and society, I think, mm -hmm. or environment and society. And so like, you start thinking about like the impact of your business is different than just like monetary. And I've seen that so much more with like the small business owners that we talk about of there's so much more about running their business than just money and wealth, which is exactly what you're talking about in personal life as well of there is metrics for success and wealth that are not necessarily tied to a bank account or an investment brokerage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that really makes me think of something that my husband told me a couple of days ago, whenever I was like panicking about something and it was like a decision that I wanted to make. And he said something really wise. He said, I think we need to start to see your stress levels as currency. And oh, that's so good, Jess. I was like, mm -hmm. hold on. And I know you, Joe, have been through this too, in terms of like trying to kind of balance your stress levels and really like focus on that self-care and things like that too. And I feel like they're in typical business education, there are inputs and there are outputs. But there is so much more involved in that. And like your stress levels can dictate how valuable your inputs are and thereby dictate what outputs you're getting. And so I think like they're, they're just to what you said, Lyndon, there's just such a bigger, more holistic picture than I think we're taught in that like kind of spreadsheet culture, not to say that spreadsheets are bad. They're super fun, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lyndon loves spreadsheets. <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> I know they have shortcomings too. I am aware of that. <laughs> yes, but they're also magical and really helpful. So I would love to know kind of going back to, and this could be like maybe individual for each of you. Maybe it was a, a different moment, but when was the first time that it struck you and you guys thought like, oh, wow, we're like actually making money on the internet or like from this thing? <laughs> oh, that's okay. On the internet. I have to think because it started out as like a lot of service-based in-person stuff. Right. So I had to think in my mind. Like, too. Like, when did it feel like, oh, this is real kind of thing? So I can tell a story that she likes to tell. 
Um, <clears throat> so she came out of, of college. She did a photo degree in college and she thought she was going to take the path of getting a job. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you go from there. <laughs> He's like, you okay. I don't know if this is the story you were thinking, but I'll, I'm going to run with it. Yes. I, I took a job out of college. Ironically, it was at a local magazine firm. So like my wishes were begun, be, beginning to come true, like with that one exception. And I was really excited about it. I romanticized it a lot, but the long story short of it is it just did not pan out the way that I had hoped or expected it to. They were hiring me more as a sales rep and I didn't realize that wasn't like properly communicated to me. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I was going to be in some kind of a creative role and well, it, it taught me a lot. I had a lot of lessons during that experience. Let's just say that. However, after less than three months, I realized I, I was done. It wasn't a good fit for me anymore. And so I remember sitting at my apartment kitchen table one morning, just like talking with God and being like, I just, I'm at my wit's end. I cannot keep doing this anymore. I need to leave. It doesn't make sense on paper. I have like photography at the time. I was like, I have my business, but I also like can't guarantee that it's going to be profitable or meet the bills or any of that. Um, And I felt prompted to just like pull out my calendar at the time and just look at what I had on the calendar for the month ahead. Mm -hmm. And I um, tallied it all up and it was comparable to what my month's paycheck would be at this other job. And so I was like, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you and take this leap of faith. So I turned in my two week notice. They only cut me for a week and I immediately started mentoring other photographers and was photographing couples at the time and portraits and stuff and really just went straight into like building this business and didn't look back. And it was incredibly freeing. Like I remember the first day, like in my apartment, it was not very well lit. It was a little bit of a dungeon, but I had a little corner where I could have a desk and I had my laptop and whatever else, probably post-it notes and a notebook because that's, those are staples for me. And I just remember feeling so free. I was just like, okay, this is what I'm excited about. And I had the time to like fully commit to what I was excited about and what I wanted to do and the clients I wanted to serve. And I mean, there's the phrase of like, where your focus goes, money flows. Is that what it is or something like that? And so like, just like what you bring your energy to is like what you're going to get back. And it didn't come right away, but Mm -hmm. it definitely was a stark contrast from where I was working before and doing like growing and running and building a business, like even though it was much more challenging and maybe more unstable in some ways, mm-hmm. but just incredibly fulfilling and rewarding. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm curious because I'm gonna go off book a little bit here, but because like you, Joe, had your experience of starting the business and everything, and Lyndon, you obviously had a front row seat to that. Did it take time for you to think like, oh, this is real? 
or like what was your kind of journey of belief there I'm maybe putting you on the spot be careful (laughs) (laughs) I now want to (laughs) know because I mean as a business I I will defend you a little bit just so Joe doesn't like pounce on you but as a business brain I'm sure there's like an evaluation tool in your mind that's like "Hmm, is this gonna work or not sort of thing right yeah so that evaluation tool is Continual forecasting mm-hmm. for somehow I don't look at anything one point in time. So okay. I, for better or worse, like how I think about things, everything is a continuum and like money is the same thing. It's a continuum for me. Okay. <clears throat> and so it's a very interesting of like looking past and looking forward at the same time. And the business that she started at that point was predominantly weddings and coaching. Um, yep. And that is honestly for a lot of people, a lot of photographers start in that business because it's, I'm not going to say easy, but it's consistent. There are people getting married all the time. Mm -hmm. And yes, there is a slump this year compared to last year coming out of the pandemic. And for some reason, people are slowing down on weddings, but people are always getting married. And so there's a consistent business there where it's fairly reliable, Mm -hmm. even though it's unpredictable. And once you have that base, you get a lot of referrals. We still get referrals to this day and we haven't done weddings we in literally four got a, years. We got a text yesterday from someone who was like, hey, would you do our engagement photos? <laughs> and we're like, Which well, inevitably um... leads to the wedding. Right. Yeah. That's right, how it works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so like business brain lending, yes, that that made sense. But also business brain Linden is I had a steady paycheck. So we had health right. insurance through me. Mm-hmm. So right. like the basics are kind of covered at that point. And like, worst comes to worst, like I had enough to pay for rent and mm-hmm. food. And so we're okay. And so whether you have a high month or a low month, on average, it'll work out. And it, that's great as a supplemental income because you weather the storm. And so business brain Linden wasn't worried at all. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say what, so what was the tipping point of belief that then led you to jump into it with her for both of you? uh, (laughs) I don't know if I would necessarily say the tipping point for me was belief or desperation. Okay. Um, so I came out of grad school. I did my MBA. I got my degree three months after the pandemic started. And so like I graduated 2020, I got a job in big pharma. We moved to Chicago. I actually really enjoyed it. Like I was in in data and analytics, like the project was super interesting. Like we were rolling out this project. I was in a global org. Like we were doing some really cool stuff. We were a startup inside of a big company and two months into my job, like one level under the CEO of the company was like, Hey, this is a really cool project. If we give you an extra 30 million, can you do it in half the time? And all of us were like, we're working overtime right now. Yeah. What does this mean? And so I lasted about a year in that job. And like the core team we were on was like eight people. Within two months of me leaving, my manager left, my manager's manager left, my peer left, another peer left. And like the team was gutted within months of when I left because we were all just like hitting a wall. Yeah. It was just like calls with Australia happen at 2 a.m. And I can't do a call with Australia and France and Italy and 
And so like, for me, I, I was looking at that of like, my job is interesting. I really enjoy working with people, but at the same time, when I think about the story I started with, here with of like wealthy for me was having impact on people. And I was in a data org that was 50 steps from an end client and I didn't feel that impact. And so I was putting in a lot of work, but I was getting no wealth back from that because like there was no reward of the work that I was doing. And for me, looking at that, like I'm stressed out, I'm burnt out. What do I want to be doing? Like three months before, four months before I left, I went with Joe to work with a client client in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And like, we were working with this client and traveling and all of that was like, I can feel the impact this business is having on people right now. And so the justification there is the business was making impact that I needed at that moment. Mm -hmm. And it was just about figuring out how to make sure that the money lined up. Yeah, that trip was really when it, it became kind of clear to both of us that we were both ready for something different and like to start planning on how we could work together. Yeah. And we had a lot of conversations on that trip about just like what that could look like and like, you know, what we wanted to do. And I remember we came back and we have this huge big whiteboard, which is just so amazing for brainstorming and planning. Mm -hmm. And we just immediately, I think the day after we landed, Lyndon was at the whiteboard, just like writing all these different possibilities of like mm -hmm. what life could look like as you know a business and working together and then less than six months later he left his job yeah <laughs> so it's cool. pretty wild yeah I love that okay yeah I mean I feel like I watched that unfold but I never knew like the behind the scenes mm -hmm. like thought process of like what was going on for you guys so I'm excited that we get to share that with people too because I think that's what like there we see external actions on yeah. social media all the time and there's mm -hmm. so much that goes into every external action so I feel like that's really helpful mm -hmm. for people to see can you guys tell us before we get into your feel wealthy list what is a kind of struggle or money mindset that you've had to work on or through within your business or your kind of recent life journey <laughs> Lyndon's Lyndon's eyes went big for everybody on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> okay I think for me it's it's ongoing there's always going to be something but like one of the first things I realized that I was really holding me back with my money mindset was feeling like I couldn't have money or like I wasn't worthy of that lifestyle or it, it kind of ties together where like I had this big fear that I still have to check myself on sometimes of like feeling like the other shoe is going to drop. Mm. And for me, that could be like, you know, I, it's just like losing a dream client or it could be anything like you know living at a hotel so like it, it it could be small or big but that fear kind of played into this money mindset for me of maybe I won't have anything guaranteed for money coming in and so I might as well like you know 
live however I want to right now kind of a thing. So like there hasn't always been much planning financially involved. It's kind of like a live like there's no tomorrow sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I still have to work on that if I'm being honest, but I've gotten a lot better. I will say that. So for me, it was, it was a mix of like, how can I start to think about money in a more empowering way where I think honestly, now that I'm just like processing out loud, like the bigger thing than any of that was like feeling like I was bad at money. Like mm-hmm. I was not good at managing my money. I spent it all too soon. I was irresponsible. Like there was no way I could like save or like all of that stuff. And so there were a lot of those narratives that really just played into everything else. And learning that I'm actually not bad at money. <laughs> I just like approach it differently sometimes and learning how I need to work with it in a way that benefits me and us like has been helpful. And again, still working on it. It's an ongoing learning curve, but that has been a really big one for me is just like adjusting the narrative around how I think about my relationship to money and the fact that I am worthy of having more of it. It doesn't make me a bad person. I'm very generous, like to my core. So I know like that, like at my core, if I have more money, I want to help other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so knowing that I don't have ill intentions kind of a thing, it doesn't make me a bad person to want more. And also it's okay to want some of that for myself too. That also doesn't make me a bad person. So it's layered, but those are a few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I feel like the I'm bad at money or I will be bad with money. Those are like almost two sides of the same coin, which are so interesting. And I feel like growing up in faith backgrounds, that is also very prevalent, mm-hmm. which might foray us into Lyndon's money mindset struggles. (laughs) I think I would put it in, okay, I'll put it in three, three buckets here. So like the one you were referring to is like the simplest from like a faith-based background for a lot of people is money's bad. Like a lot of people just kind of view that one. And to some extent, like, I think I would put the bucket I was taught in is the pursuit of money is bad. Just because like, if you, if that's all you're focusing on, then you're not really focusing on helping people, which coincidentally kind of aligns with like number two for me would be coming from like a big business background is on a small scale for a business. You can't really force money because if you think about like, if you're like a Walmart of the world, you can look at a statement and be like, hmm, if we reduce costs here, we can push up revenue over there. And like, this is just like commas on a balance sheet. And people are just yeah. like moving them around and like, hey, look, there's more money. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> as a nice. <laughs> small company, you can't really necessarily do that in the same way. And like, that's yeah. also like I was talking about, like the time continuum of like, mm-hmm. In a small company, oftentimes, if it's unpredictable, you can't be like, I know in three months exactly where all of my income's coming from, and I can project out to the penny what I'm going to spend on this. Because like that, that's just not something you can force as a business. And so kind of shifting that perspective to be a little bit more laissez-faire, for lack of a better term, of like, I will approach it as it comes rather than I will force it into existence. 
because it, it's just two different ways of thinking about it. And I, I think the third one that kind of is a blend of all of that is oftentimes in like analytical point of view, there's a saying of like, what's get, what gets measured is what gets done. And if you directly apply that to money, you are now just looking at a bank account every day. And from what I have learned, and also a lot of people we've talked to, if you look at your bank account every day, that does not get you more clients. Mm -hmm. And so if you potentially change your metrics to not necessarily be like money above all else, your business potentially will grow faster by measuring other things than just money. Mm -hmm. And so shifting that perspective of what I am looking at and caring about has to be something else so that this can grow. And another way of saying that is sometimes you have to loosen your grip for something to do better. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Yeah. And I feel like I, I wish I could remember where I heard this on a podcast a long time ago, but somebody said in passing, I have the belief that when I move my body, I make more money. And, yeah. or like more money comes to me or something like that. And I have just like taken that and run with it in a lot of different ways. Like, and yeah. so almost like focusing your brain on like what you're doing that is growing you and then yeah. believing that that is going to mm -hmm. loosen the grip or make the space for more money to flow in. So, um, okay. I feel like we could talk about this forever, but I'm going to get us onto our feel wealthy list and then we will see where things go from there. So let me know how do you guys want to do this? Do you want to do like one for each of you? Do you guys have some together? What are your thoughts? I think we did like individual lists, individual. Kind of, but we, we okay. tried to like not go overboard. So it's like perfect three to five. If that I've, I've wanted to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll go back and forth and then we can see where we want to expand on that. But for those of you who are listening, if this is your first episode that you're listening to, the feel wealthy list is basically something that I created in my notes app in an effort to keep my eyes on the wealth that I've already created, the abundance that I've already called in instead of just continuously hoping and wishing for more, because that is my default. But I had to create this tangible list of like, what are things that I can hold in front of me that feel like wealth to me? And that was what helped me kind of anchor into that feeling, that vibration or frequency, if you're in that kind of part of the world or whatever. So now I am really just asking other people what is on their feel wealthy list. So we're going to dive into Joe and Lyndon's. And I know Joe, you're really passionate about romanticizing life. Like me, Lyndon, I don't know where you stand on romanticizing life, but I'm interested to know. So hit us with number one on your list. Okay. You want to go first or you want me to? Okay. I'll go first. I Okay, so I actually have my list pinned to the top of my notes. Oh, your, your podcast is legitimately one of my new favorite podcasts. Oh, I love it gosh. so much. And the concept is just so fascinating to me. So the first one that I have is I have a couple of little words project bracelets and mm -hmm. they just make me so happy. And every time I wear them, they just make me feel like very put together and bougie. I don't wear a lot of jewelry. And so I didn't grow up wearing jewelry. It wasn't something that was encouraged. And so mm -hmm. I have come to really love it. And these are two bracelets that really just make me so happy. One says be a light and the other one says dreamer. 
And if you're not familiar with the company Little Words Projects, they're basically friendship bracelets. Like if you if you guys saw all the friendship bracelets that happened, like with Taylor Swift's tour this year, like or last year at this point, Little Words Project was probably one of the the companies that like made a lot of those. The founder is just like I I love Adriana so much. She has a heart of gold. She's just so sweet and pure, and her intentions are just so great. Like their company, they they have like a name for the women or people who get the bracelets and they call it the nice girl gang which i just love and it just speaks to the whole mission of the company but just to give a little more story behind these two bracelets in particular we hosted a workshop in october and our our podcast is called the ambitious dreamer and we hosted a workshop called the ambitious dreamer workshop Mm -hmm. and we knew that we wanted to get some special gifts for all the attendees and our like community nickname for like people in our community is dreamer like mm-hmm. and so we asked the little words project if they would send some bracelets that said dreamer on them so that we could give them to the attendees and they did and so that's why i i have one of them that says dreamer mm-hmm. and then at the workshop a couple of the girls went to starbucks one afternoon and came back and surprised me with the other bracelet that says be a light which oh just like gosh. was so sweet so there's a lot of meaning behind them but they're also mm-hmm. so pretty and they just make me feel so bougie so i love mm-hmm. them for both those reasons i love that and i mean this is something to point to for the both of you which i feel like is partially why you guys get so much fulfillment out of your business is because you truly have a heart for like founders for like small businesses who are passionate about what they do and like that shows yeah. through you loving this bracelet so much not just because it's a cute bracelet but because of the story behind it and I love that okay Lyndon what's number one on your list so I don't know if I'm following the rules but number one (laughs) number one on my list is travel because like if you talked about the like divide here like Joe romanticizes life like I'm honestly fairly utilitarian and (laughs) pursuit of knowledge and so like for me travel is really two components of i love to just see new places and experiences and honestly nature like it's a really big thing for me and some of that can be traced to like childhood of like not necessarily like being financially wealthy but like we got a lot of experiences like by the time i was four or five years old i'd been to 15 countries And that was just something that I can't get back to that since that day because we stopped traveling so much. And now as an adult, like traveling is something that's so intrinsic to me and Mm -hmm. the business we have built enables that. Like at the time of recording this, next week we're going to Oregon to work with a client. And Mm -hmm. what we have built enables us to do the things that makes me feel wealthy. But also the second part of that is as we travel, I learn something. Every place we go, you meet someone new, you have a new experience, you learn something about that locale. I've never been to Oregon before. Like I'm excited about that experience because it's learning, it's new, it's mm-hmm. different, and it's exciting. And it's not necessarily something I can put on my shelf. It's not something that I will put down and never use again because it's a memory that is growing me and adding to like my internal list of what makes me wealthy Mm -hmm. as a person yeah and I think too like 
you can't put it on a shelf, but you also can't take it away. Like that knowledge and experiences are something that is, I mean, of course I'm finding all the themes and everything, but is something that you own, that you have ownership of and that like you (coughs) get a special experience out of. So I think that makes total sense. I also am curious, like now I'm wanting to do like feel wealthy research. Like this will probably turn into my life's work, I'm sure. But I feel like there's a whole category of feel wealthy list that is nostalgia related. Cause like for me, I, my family's trip, this sounds so silly, but like every trip we went on when I was a kid was to Disneyland. Like no matter how little money we had, like I remember distinctly my dad giving plasma for weeks before we went to Disneyland when I was a kid so that we could each get one thing at the Disneyland shop. And like that to me, like gives me chills whenever I say it. And so Disneyland to me is that's it. Like it is a form of travel, but specifically going to Disneyland, like I am in full tears every time I step onto main street, but that's just because of my personal experience. And you probably have the same experience Mm -hmm. with just like travel in general. So I feel like nostalgia plays a really interesting role in like what you find valuable because it like calls up that feeling that is so inherent. So yeah, I love that. Okay, Joe. I I feel like the one thing that I will add there is Mm -hmm. just to be able to be a Disney kid at this point means you are wealthy because their (laughs) prices have gone up so much at this point. Yeah, yeah. It was a little, it was definitely a splurge to be able to take Parker there, but it is one that I was like so excited. Like people say, don't take your kids to Disney until they're such and such old. I'm like, I'm not taking her for her. I'm taking her for me. Like this is Mm -hmm. (laughs) a whole experience. So yeah, she loved it though. But okay, Joe, what's number two? (sighs) Okay. I think I'll. So I'm just going to put context. Her list has 12 things on it. I'm not going to give all 12. I'm not going to give all 12. I promise. But I'm trying to think of which one I want to do next. I, okay. I'm I'm actually going to say something that wasn't on my list, but I think add it run, to it. <laughs> yeah, running our own business honestly mm-hmm. makes me feel like the wealthiest person ever. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds so counterintuitive to a lot of the messages you see online from other entrepreneurs about how you, you don't necessarily have benefits or great health insurance and it comes with some downsides if we're being honest, but mm-hmm just the ability to be able to do what I want, how I want, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that is the most powerful feeling ever to me. Mm -hmm. And knowing that it allows me to tap into my creativity and that I can work the amount of hours that I want or need to, I can be flexible with my time. I can work with clients that I may not be able to in other corporate settings, like all of that just adds up to like just feeling really, really wealthy and what we are able to do. It's, it's really quite a luxury and a privilege to be able to run your own business. And I think that's really easy to gloss over sometimes because it's not always like promised that you're going to have recurring revenue or be able to project 12 months down the road, what you'll be making. Yeah, but or what the overall, yeah, yeah, but the overall fulfillment that you get from doing this, like, I'm not gonna say it's for everyone, but for someone like me who's very entrepreneurial, like, it is so fulfilling. So mm-hmm. that's 
that's my next one. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of points to like the whole point of the feel wealthy list and the whole point of like kind of cultivating gratitude, which like literally that's on every podcast of hacks ever, right. Is to learn to embrace what you love, even with the downsides to let the good be good when it's good even mm-hmm. if there are other things surrounding it. And I feel like that's such a life lesson because I mean, we're all adults, right? And like life is gonna life, like stuff is gonna suck a little bit. But if you let that, those downsides overshadow all the good, then you're never mm-hmm. gonna be able to be happy or appreciate your, yes, what exactly. you have, no matter how big it is. So I feel like that really points to that. Yeah. All right, Lyndon, what's... Number two and last on your list. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I so I'll take one that potentially is on Joe's list. List. Okay. Um, so even though I just talked about not putting stuff on the shelf, I'm gonna say clothes is oh. something that is a little bit on my feel wealthy list. I, to be honest, I do not buy very many clothes. Mm-hmm. I buy clothes occasionally and then I wear them forever, mm-hmm. and that's kind of for me i refuse to buy clothes from like the sheens or the h&ms of the world because that does not make me feel wealthy if we're gonna go with this chain of thought and for me it's it's because quality things that last a long time are valuable to me as a person but also that means that when I do buy clothes, it's a lot more expensive. And if I think about even like this year, what I'm really excited about, like I brought a, bought a brand new jacket. I'm so excited about this jacket. Yeah. <laughs> and you've probably seen Joe post so many pictures of it so far, just because it it's a bright red jacket. And so I just really like it. I wear it all the time. And yeah. it's something that I will probably wear all winter and for a few winters to come because it's something that I bought quality. It's I'm in a place that I can make an investment in something that will last for a while that kind of ties into the other things. Like this enables me to do stuff outside. This enables me to travel. This enables me to Mm. have those experiences in nature because I trust the clothing that I have to allow me to go out for sunrise when it is so incredibly cold and Joe won't get out of bed. <laughs> Unless you give me coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, it's, it's like the interesting, like tie in between things is like the objects enable me to do things that I really enjoy and create those experiences mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love, like, I feel like there's intention on the front end and intention on the back end of that obviously you probably put a lot of thought into this red jacket purchase right it wasn't just like something you saw (laughs) joe's like yes Um, (laughs) something you saw and you're like oh i guess i'll buy that like there's a lot of thought there's a lot of anticipation and actually science shows us that you get more I don't know what the like happy hormone is in particular. I'm going to say, okay, you get more dopamine when you are anticipating a purchase than you do after you hit buy. And Mm -hmm. so then at that point you already have it. You're like, okay, whatever, but you get more out of the anticipation. So there's that anticipation. And then there's the, when you have it, appreciating it for the depth of what it is instead of just being like, cool, I've got a red jacket. 
it's thinking about it with more intention than that. It's like, okay, what can I do now that I have this? How do I feel? Who do I feel like I am or can be with this thing? Like, I know that sound, it might sound silly to some people listening. No, it makes sense to me. Yes. It like makes life so much more enjoyable and everything that you hold in your hands so much more enjoyable, which I feel like is so important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I've never heard that, but that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Joe, give us one more. Okay. I'll give you, so my last one is cooking restaurant style tacos at home. So I went gluten-free a year and a half ago at this point and finding different meals that I enjoy eating has been a learning curve, but also I did not used to enjoy cooking at all. Mm -hmm. And around a similar time that I was going gluten-free, I was looking for ways to be able to wind down after the workday, like working from home, it can be kind of tough to like just close your laptop and then feel like you've clocked out. Like it just doesn't work that way. And so I started cooking as a way to disconnect from work and move into an evening routine of some kinds. And it became more therapeutic than I realized. And then this summer I, was looking for ingredients in the fridge, like for like a lunch or something one day. And I just put together these corn tacos with rice and cooked fajitas that I seasoned. And then we like to get this Nando's peri peri sauce that is also vegan and gluten-free and it is so good. And so I'll top it with that and then cherry tomatoes and spinach that's like cooked with the fajitas. And it just tastes so flavorful and good. And I feel like I'm eating at a restaurant, but I made it. And so that's definitely on my feel wealthy list. I love that. That is so fun. And I feel like there, I'm actually working on a whole entire episode. I feel like all of my episodes sound so silly, but they're so specific like feel wealthy food list because I feel like Ooh, yeah the the magic of what you talked about was one the the routine the ritual of it and two the like extraness of like having the sauce and having mm-hmm. the like marinating the fajitas and like yes. all of that goes into this like flavor profile that just explodes yes. in your mouth instead of it just being like a a task of like, okay, we're having dinner sort of thing mm-hmm. that like really turns it into an experience. And I feel like food is such a cool way to be able to do that on. I mean, not that fancy food is not expensive, but you can do it on a lower budget. Like to buy yes. that sauce is not going to break the bank versus yes. going to a really fancy restaurant mm-hmm. or whatever. So exactly. I love that kind of little nudge. And I think a lot of us probably treat cooking as a task instead of an experience a lot of times. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Awesome. So I'm going to wrap us up there. I know we could talk about this for days and days, and I'm sure we can do another episode at some point, but I'm curious, what is one thing that you guys are focusing on in your own life vision that you're trying to like live out and embrace more fully in the coming year? Okay. So for me, I, my word of the year for 2024 is aligned. So I just want to feel an alignment in every area of my life, including finances. And so it's 
placing more intention on the things that I invest in, whether for business or personal, like not only is this going to make me feel good in the moment, but is it going to have a long lasting effect? You know, how is it going to add to my life rather than create more stress? Like I um, was journaling a month ago, I think, and came to this pretty big realization that I don't want finances to feel like a stressor. I want it to feel like a stress reliever. And I think sometimes we can get stuck into just old habits that, you know, can like kind of creep back in. And so practicing awareness for those and just having a bit more intention or some kind of vetting process Mm -hmm. when you're making financial decisions or otherwise life decisions, this applies across the board. So I think for me, it's more just like living even more in alignment with every area of my life and also with where we feel like God is wanting us to show up to like, cause that's pretty important to us as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love it. I feel like our words for the year align, align. <laughs> um, minus presence, which Ooh, I like that slightly afraid of. Like when I wrote it down, I was like, Oh, I know that's it, but I don't really want it to be it. So we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes. <laughs> All right, Lyndon, what do you feel like you're focusing on embracing in the coming months? I, th- I think for me, it's probably fairly similar to something that I focused on in 2023, but it's a form of balance. And I think for me, I would pro- probably put that into like three components. Like you have work, you have life, you have community. And the reason why I'm splitting that out is I think community, while it could be part of life, it is its own thing because focusing on that and growing that is an important part of making like the triangle balance mm-hmm. for life for me like a lot of that is health of how can i be a little bit more consistent in my routines around food around working out around working on the house because we have a fixer upper i'm so excited about it today um, <laughs> and then like there's the work component of mm-hmm. how is it sustainable but also still fulfilling that pours into the other two sides of that triangle right and it's a forever battle but i think for right now i'm trying to be a little bit more intentional of like how do i make that triangle balance between those three things Mm -hmm. because i can't over invest in one because then another one is getting left out Mm -hmm. yeah i love that i I don't know why, but I'm picturing a little bit of a champagne tower too, because <laughs> let me, let me carry you along on this analogy, but <laughs> like there's a triangle, right? Yeah. But I think to a certain extent, balance is elusive. Like once you have balance, it immediately goes out of balance. So mm-hmm. thinking of each component as like the top, like flute on the champagne tower and how can I pour into this thing in a way that overflows to the other things can also be really helpful instead of like draining this and that thereby drains everything else too. So yeah, I don't know if that's helpful for anybody or if that's just my brain, but (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Okay. So where can we find you guys? Where can we connect with you further? Anything else you want to say? We would love to connect with you guys. That would like make our day. So uh, you can find us on Instagram or TikTok at Joe and Lyndon. We also have a podcast called the Ambitious Dreamer Podcast. It has its own Instagram account as well called the Ambitious Dreamer Podcast. And our website is theambitiousdreamer.com. So we would love to connect with you. 
Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm excited to have you back soon, I'm sure. Thank you, Jess. This was awesome. a blast. Thank you so much for listening in on this episode of the Feel Wealthy Show. If you love it here, then be sure to leave a five-star rating or review for the podcast. When you leave a five-star rating or review, you'll actually be entered to win the Feel Wealthy feature of the month. That's where I snail mail you something from my very own Feel Wealthy list as a thank you for supporting the podcast. I'm also a firm believer that the highest form of flattery is a recommendation, so I would be honored if you'd shout us out on Instagram. Be sure to tag me at Jess Jordana so I can gush in thanks in the DMs. It really means so much. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, I hope you remember that an absolutely essential part of creating real tangible wealth in your life is choosing to feel wealthy now instead of waiting for later. Talk to you soon.